Previously on On the Island, Carl Boudreau, Taylor Gaines, Tyler B. Commons, talking Survivor, and they said, this is a live recording, uh, play. I think that, uh, uh, Ron and Eric, uh, they might have made the move too soon, because, uh, now they don't really have the numbers, uh, bad things can happen. Cut to this week. Hello, we're here. That was a live recording from last week with Carl, and we were right. We called it, and I'm proud of it, so I'm going to brag about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm the Puppet Master. I'm Taylor Gaines, here on the island, to talk about week number seven of Survivor Edge of Extinction. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host and official Alabama resident. One of us is drunk right now, and I don't know which one. <laughs> it's Tyler B. Cummins. Just here, hanging out at my house. 4444 Edge of Extinction Drive, ready to record a podcast. How's your daily hike to get rice? You know, um, not nearly as difficult as Reem the Meme Dream Team meme says. Ah, you almost had it. <laughs> I didn't know where to go. You're like, should I repeat the same word? Sure. Dude, don't get excited. That's Reem. Carl did Dude. a good Reem last week, by the way. I liked his Reem impression. Oh, man. Ty... How do you feel this week? So much Survivor. I, uh, best episode of the season? Can I say that? I mean, let's just cut best to the chase. It was by of far, the season? is by far the best. If you, I mean, if you want to argue that, please do. But for me, I just feel <laughs> like you had, like, setups, you had drama, you had, got to see Dr. Joe, um, mm, tribal, like, Joe. A, a blind side of, you know, you see people's faces and their jaws drop and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and it was super exciting. I'll say this, Ty, I think it was as good as an Edge of Extinction episode can be because like you said, it had all of those things. It was fantastically entertaining. I think the editing and the presentation of the story was fantastic and we can talk about it, but there's just this cloud hanging over it that I can't get past, which is like every blind side is so much more muted now that you know no one's leaving. And I, I, I thought it was still good and interesting, and I, I'm glad that people know about Edge of Extinction now so that at least that is factored in. But, you know, it's just, it's not quite the same. But now that everybody knows, it's... I assume at least, that only one other person is going to get another shot at coming back in. And I talked a lot last week about how I think that's going to be Joe. The you other sure people did. don't really have a shot at coming back in. Like, they're going to hang out on Exile and do whatever, but I still don't feel like, if you're voted out, unless you're Joe or, you know, possibly Chris or Eric or Gavin or some other athlete, Lauren maybe, if she gets voted out, I feel like you have to think that those are the only people with a real shot. Like, they're not going to bring everybody back in. No, they're not. And it's it's probably going to be... It, this is like when the Warriors... I know it's not a basketball podcast, but <laughs> you know how, like, in the playoffs, they're always like, do you take the Warriors or do you, do you take the field? And it's usually, yeah. like, 50-50. Like, one <laughs> team versus, like, 15. You're like, I think I'll take the one. That's kind of how I feel about Joe being there, where it's like probably 50% Joe, 50% the field. And I'm interested to see what happens. I, 
I guess we can talk about Edge of Extinction quickly because I don't think there's much to add in this particular week. Aubrey finds an advantage that allows her to practice the inevitable inevitable (laughs) challenge that will get someone back into the game. I thought it was strange to consider that she just is going to sneak away from this desolate place where everyone knows where everyone is at all times and practice a game is is there like producer blocking like what what's happening there do you think (laughs) everyone stay away from this end of the island there's nothing there there's no reason to be curious but unless you're Aubrey you're not allowed (laughs) over here yeah I I mean it's kind of goofy but it it makes sense people have done that before with um was it ghost island where you had to sneak away at night Uh, and go do a challenge like I guess there's enough downtime and enough boredom that you're like, I'm going to go on a walk. And people are like, whatever. There's nothing going on here. I'm not going to waste my energy. There's no rice at the end of this. So <laughs> they just, I mean, yeah, I think Aubrey played it smart. I do like how, in contrast to what we saw earlier, she said, no, I have this advantage. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to keep it a secret. Like, when everyone is looking... She's like, boom, I know right where it is. I'm going to take it. I'm not going to tell everybody I found it. And Didn't she even walk it up to myself. it and say, oh, nothing here? <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly. She probably did as soon as she like reached in that little cave and then was like, oh, yeah, no, it's empty. It's interesting, though. In your analogy, I guess Aubrey is Eve and her practice session is the snake getting her to bite the apple from the tree. I'm referencing... The book of Genesis, of course, if you've read that book, it's a it's it's in the it's in the Bible, which is a a volume filled with many books. Sixty six to be exact. Uh, <laughs> but also, I'm a little confused. Please elaborate on your metaphor. Well, you because you said the producers are like, no one can go over here. <laughs> and it just oh. made me think this isn't going to end well then because someone's going to eventually break the rules. And then Edge of Extinction is going to become a hedonist paradise. It's going to become the island from Lost. Like, everybody's actually dead, but they don't know it. Spoiler alert for Lost in case you haven't <laughs> somehow seen it by now. Oh, my God. What are we doing? It's Thursday night. Our, we're all over the place. Joe had a nice moment at Extinction saying, I think I'm meant to be here or something. I saw a funny joke in our friend Andy Dennert's recap of the episode, just to give him some credit, saying, Joe said, this has to be where I'm meant to be. And then Andy said, yes, sir. Jeff Probst designed it just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is obviously worth talking about. And we have talked about it. But how are you feeling about Edge now that everybody knows it's there? I know you alluded to this a minute ago. But like Eric is there now after this episode. Joe, Aubrey, Reem. Chris. And Chris. God, Eric and Chris are so interchangeable that I actually thought I already said the right person. But yeah, I mean, are you enjoying the time we spend there? Do you think it's like worth it? <laughs> so I know I know the theme really bothers you. It doesn't bother me so much because uh, I said I wasn't going to cough. It doesn't bother me so much because it's like it is a part of the game and it's integrated but, you know, last week I was making that argument for Joe and Dalton Ross from Entertainment Weekly made the same argument of, like, everyone else is out there kind of fighting to win individual immunity and working. The people that are still, I'm doing air quotes that no one can see, in the game. And Joe has to win one thing, and then he's got all these people that he made buddies with 
at exile who are now on the jury. So like in that way, it seems unfair, but the overall theme of exile Island and edge of extinction or sorry, edge of extinction, not exile extinction Island. Like it does, it doesn't bother me. Like I'm, I'm cool with it. I feel like it sort of gives an unfair advantage to one of the people that has been there for a very long time, maybe with the exception of Reem, even though she's been there the longest. Her memes are just way too strong. But I'm not bothered by it. I think this season has already set itself up poorly with the returners, and we've, you know, beat that Well, this is my real problem, and I know, like you said, we've talked about it, but the the point I want to make combining it is I think you can try to do Edge of Extinction in a season, and I think you can try to do a returner season, but I'm starting to feel like you can't do both. Because the way that they come together is so inefficient and confusing that I don't really understand the point of Extinction. And even in this episode that I thought was really good, which I know it doesn't sound like it from what we've said so far, they still spent most of the time talking about Returners, even though everyone was orchestrating this like really crazy blindside. And I, I there was like a whole chunk of the middle of the episode where I was like, we're just following kelly right now or whatever it was it ended up working out and i was impressed by it but um but just i also to get... feel like this episode wasn't centered on the returners like they were in it but i feel like they got equal time as everyone else because we got to see gavin and julia have a conversation aurora yeah. got a lot of screen time like yeah, i feel like finally. this episode was the one we finally learned who the other people were not only in the context of how do they relate to the new people yeah as david put it pretty well in tribal council there were a lot of resumes with the name and the address like you joked about 4444 edge of extinction drive and a blank page under that and this was their night to as he also said to decide whether they were the pilot or the passenger and to put something (laughs) on their resume and it definitely helped color in a lot of those pieces of paper for me i just thought early on in the episode that it felt like it was going in that direction, but it it wound up uh, shaping up nicely, which I really want to talk about because I was very impressed by the storytelling in this episode. I thought it was somewhat predictable, but still very exciting and enjoyable. And we've talked in previous seasons about like the producers just giving us (laughs) credit to like follow along and not need to be blindsided by what they do. And this was a good example of that because We knew what the stakes were. We knew who needed to move where for this move on Eric and Ron to happen. And they set it up to just be a question of whether it would happen or not. Yeah, it was awesome. They left us wondering whether Victoria was actually going to flip. And I think, um, you know, I read a whole ton of articles. It's like, well, this move might have been pulled way too early. Yes. Stephen Fishback specifically was like bashing this move in his blog today. But I think the the fun part about this move, and this is where my viewership, not like an analyst, comes in, is we finally got to see the non-returners as strategists and as players who are willing to make a move in trying to play the game. Maybe it was too early, and we, you know we can debate that, but what this episode did so well is it showed that everybody is there to play now. Everybody wants to make a move. Everybody wants to to keep, you know, the analogy going. Everybody wants to jump in the pilot seat and not be stuck being a passenger 
just going to the end, not having a resume, and then being, you know, the third person in Final Tribal to get zero votes. Yeah, the real issue, I think, and this is maybe where we should talk about this, is there are still, I believe, 12 people left Mm -hmm. currently. Is that right? I would have to look. Okay, so at the end, the people that voted together to get rid of Eric were Julia, Gavin, Aurora, Victoria, Kelly, Lauren, David, and Wardog. And we're led to believe Aurora voted twice, correct? That's possibly true, you know? I didn't catch that when I saw the voting breakdown. And then that leaves Eric, Ron, Julia, and Devin. So yes, 12 people were remaining at the beginning of this. And Julie. Yes, I said Julie instead of Julia in that one, but I did say Julie earlier. So yeah, there was 12 people going into this episode and 11 coming out of it. Yeah, and the issue, we talked about this last week, is... They made a move at 13 to take out Joe from within their own alliance. And then all of a sudden, they didn't really have this comma majority anymore. And then next thing you know, people within comma are like, oh, you want to make moves? Let's make moves. And you give them basically the freedom to feel like that's something that can happen. And next thing you know, you're out on your ass. So Ron and Eric got taken down and... Victoria Ba Monday tweeted about this, and I thought it was interesting based off what they showed in the episode about her being hesitant, because she said, all I'm saying is if we voted out Kelly or Lauren, we could have broken up a tight trio and picked up the pieces just like we picked up Aurora after taking out her trio and imploded on ourselves at a later time. Not that you'd know what I had to say that episode, though, so shots at the editors, I suppose. But it's interesting to know that she voted with the majority for Eric, despite not wanting to, because it indicates, as we talked about last week, I think either you or Carl put Victoria number one in your power rankings. It indicates that she really knows when to step up and when to step back. And Mm. she has helped to orchestrate certain votes And also at this point, she was like, I'm not on board with this, but I'm going to jump on and vote with the majority so I don't get left behind. And I've just been impressed by her ability to weave in and out so far. Yeah, she's definitely been able to navigate kind of the voting line. Um, I saw a lot of talk of voting blocks kind of returning and whatnot, but she's definitely been one that is very savvy and tenacious when it comes to figuring out what to do and when she she just has a knack for picking out the people that she needs to be with because she didn't want to jump ship this episode like that is very clear by what she was saying but in the end she's like well it's too early and i know it's too early and i'm really actually a good survivor player but if i don't jump ship now then i'm going to just be stuck on a different sinking ship instead right. of having the opportunity to continue to play and work my way up to the top. So yeah, she she knew exactly what was going on and i think she played it as well as she could cuz she voiced her opinion but she still went with the majority. I do think she was right though. I think this was probably too early for this because now we're set up for a season where Kama is slowly just like picked apart and we spent so much time with the Lesu people at the beginning of the season that I feel like that's going to pay off. Like both for us narratively 
And due to the fact that they were so battle tested in tribal council that like they were prepared for something like this where Kama didn't go to tribal at all for the first like 15 days. And now they've been to two as a giant group and just destroyed themselves both times. And it really speaks to what Aubrey was talking about early in the season where Kumbaya survivor is terrible because no one knows where anyone stands. And then when you get to tribal, there's no real loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I think that also it plays into what uh, Carl was talking about a lot last week was you can't have these massive majority alliances anymore because someone is going to realize they're on the bottom and it just depends when they do that. And I think this week, you know, Aurora knew she was on the bottom, but she talked to people and she won immunity and she made things happen. And, and like your alliance ultimately is going to break at some point. So you have to figure out when that is and navigate it. And it, it's just like a, it's just a feeling everybody gets now. And we always talk about- But everything about, breaks well, so quickly now. Well, that's because everybody, I think this is where the game is going that you pick one, maybe two people you really trust, and then you get in a majority alliance. That way you can vote as a unit of two or three people. You pick out who you want to go with. Like Kelly has Lauren and War Dog. For better or for worse, like she's got those two people with her, and those three can kind of figure out, well, if we pull these people in for this vote, then we're in the majority. There's three of us, and it's safe. And I think that's kind of where we're going. You can't have a Kama Strong or a Goliath Strong that's going to last until top eight, and then you're going to have eight from one tribe, and then things just, like, break down. You have to have that inner circle within the larger circle of what your group is. It just feels like this hashtag big moves with a Z survivor is like, <laughs> it's very game of Thronesy. Have you ever heard the famous game of Thrones quote? Chaos is a ladder. I'm sure that's not from game of Thrones, but that's where I most recently heard it of like, whoever ends up winning, it almost feels like it's just gonna be a cycle, you know, like when you're watching a basketball game and I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but <laughs> like it's so high scoring that you're just like, whoever scores last is going to win. Or whatever. That's what this feels like where Julia and Gavin made a big move, but now they made it so early that someone else is going to make a big move and then someone else is going to make And just there's so many people that are like, I need to make a big move that it's going to end up just last shot wins. And I like that as a viewer uh, because it makes this season really kick into gear and it's much more exciting. But I just think for them specifically, I don't know that it's going to work. And it's interesting too. We haven't even talked about the loved ones aspect of this. Julia tweeted Gosh. today, I play for the win, not for the loved ones visit. And <laughs> she's obviously referring to Eric and Ron, who are leading this comma alliance by telling everyone, look, we just got to get to the family visit, which is fine, I guess. But then you get to tribal and you're like, <laughs> you're in tribal. You're like, guys, we just have to remember this is about the loved ones visit. And you're like, how transparent can you be? Like, really? Yeah. And War Dog, surprisingly, War Dog had an incredible episode of like talking oh. to people and testing people. But he called him out right there in tribal. And he's like, guys, are you listening to what he's saying? He's like, stay seven with us and then we'll start picking you off. Get us to the loved ones and then we're going to start kicking you guys out. And it's like. Well, and then there was that great scene where Julia tested Eric sort of and was like throwing out David to see how he would react. 
And mm-hmm. I will say she didn't push it that far. Like no. he kind of was just like, nah, I don't think so. Like he didn't get really emotional or anything, but, but she learned enough to be like, Oh, I think war dog might be right. Which he was that yeah. Eric was just eventually going to pull in David and Devons with Ron. Well, and that leads to another super interesting thing. Uh, can you pull in David and Devons together anymore or no? <laughs> oh boy. I guess, yeah, we can move into that. Um, fascinating, man. Th- this is the reason this episode was good. There was the bit with war dog talking to Gavin and Julia as they kind of intercut these other conversations that we were just talking about. And the same thing was kind of happening earlier in the episode with those two where their conversation followed a conversation between war dog and Devons where Devons led in with this amazing, like, yeah, of course I trust you. I really want to work with you guys. Um, how could I not trust the less people except for the fact that I hate you or whatever. I'm exaggerating, but it was like such a huge buildup to him being like, hell no, I'm never going to work with you. And then in the meantime, you're hearing David talk about what he wants to do. And then he, they cut to him with Devin's and they have this conversation that was just like, I couldn't even picture myself being a strong enough person to have either side of that conversation because (laughs) they were both just not backing down. And at one point he was like, well, at least give me my idol back. And he was like, no, I think I'm going to keep it. And I was just (laughs) thinking about like the jolt that would go through my body. If I said that to someone, I would just be like, Oh my God, did I just say that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Their relationship has been super awesome because like they were super buddy, buddy. And then they emotionally had to get rid of Devin's, and Devin's obviously wins his way back into the main game. And he and David are like tight like this. And we talked about last week splitting the idol. Do you split it with David, a guy that you know you can trust? Or do you split it with somebody that you don't know to try and build trust? And ultimately, he chooses David. And then David and he just don't see eye to eye on the strategy moving forward because... Well, who do you think was drunk? Who do you think was right? I'm My gut instinct is to say david is because david's been there before and he's played it and he can see numbers and he can see things moving and devin another thing they talked about besides being drunk is like well you're playing with your emotions right now instead of playing with logic and i'm i kind of buy into that because devin's so much hates war dog kelly and lauren and rightfully so i mean they voted him out and when he got back in immediately they were like nah kick him out again well this is the thing right devons might be right in practice or in theory i should say but in practice he needs to pretend to be more open like the that's the real problem is not that he is deciding that he shouldn't trust those people because he probably shouldn't he should pretend like he might though like you i feel like the key to this game a lot of times is leaving your options open and it just seems way too early for him to just shut down so many options and essentially cut off his main ride or die yeah i i was a little puzzled by him being unwilling to budge but i mean i also understand it like he he was hurt man hurt people hurt people and when he was when he was crushed he just couldn't he couldn't reconcile with david and it's but I, immoral to, to send him back there <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh, thanks julie um 
Yeah, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. I understand that he did get voted out and whatever, and he's hurt. But I side with David in this because I think David hasn't experienced that emotional trauma yet this game, so he might have an easier time seeing a clear path forward where Devin's is like, well, look at look at Gavin and Eric. They're top dogs, and they're offering me this, only to find out that that blows up in his face. So I'm really interested to see what their relationship is like post this vote. Is Devin's going to come crawling back to David and say, no, actually, uh, take me. You're in the majority now. I want to be with you. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. It was interesting because by the time the vote went down, Devin's was fully on the other side of things he was along with julie one of the two people who voted for lauren while eric and ron voted for kelly and it's crazy to think they try to split the vote and it just it ended up looking really ugly like eight or nine votes to to four depending on if aurora got that second one and i they didn't show it i could from what i could tell but i it was i assume supposed to be used in this episode my point earlier that i was bumbling about by the way was they did some great like cross-cutting in this episode where Kelly, David, and Lauren were talking about trying to pull Aurora in, and then they cut to Aurora talking to Ron and breaking down, and then they cut back to them talking about her, and it was just like a really cool like movie moment, kind of, and they did the same thing with David talking about Ron and Eric during that scene, and then cutting to Ron and Eric talking about Aurora, and it, that was when I felt like the episode really started to pick up the pace, because the stories were getting woven together in a way that was really beautiful. Yeah. And even like the funny, like editing has been fairly decent this season. And even the thing with like a Kelly messing with (laughs) the bug. And then two weeks ago, the chicken like walked in front of one of her confessionals and it's while she's like talking about the chicken situation. And it's just, they've done a good job of keeping it fun and keeping us also in the loop of what's actually happening. Yeah, definitely a couple times. And the, like the way it built was like they were showing that conversation cutting to Aurora and Ron and Eric. And then the conversation ended with David saying, well, we need Devons. And that's what led us into that fantastic confrontation. It was just a nice piece of storytelling. But <laughs> I will say on the editing like presentation side, the uh, do you know how you know your show has too many advantages on it? Is when... Each person has to have it written next to their name what their advantage is. Like, (laughs) I think that's when you should probably look in the mirror and be like, hey, we've gone too far. We need to pull back. (laughs) No, Jeff wants to keep throwing idols out there. He wants to throw out new advantages, like someone exile or sorry, extinction sending an extra vote. Like he's he's loving it. I will say uh, probably my least favorite editing in this moment was the scene right before Lauren's about to faint. Like, it was awesome. We got oh, to see God. Wait, wait for that. Wait for that. We're going to talk <laughs> about that. I, I, I want to get to that, but let's, okay, let's cool. just finish going around the horn here. Um, right. So we talked about Gavin and Julia. We talked about David and Devins. We talked about War Dog. We talked some Victoria. Really, all we have not talked about, other than Lauren and Kelly, who... There was a moment there where it was like, will they play the idol? And I thought Christian Hubicki's tweet about this was really actually pretty insightful. He said, probably the most interesting post-survivor observation to make about the show is inferring the conversations that must have happened that weren't shown. 
Both Kelly and Lauren were confident enough to not play their idol, period. Convincing assurances were made. So I kind of had the same thought because we've talked multiple times this season about Lauren not playing her idol and Mm -hmm. thinking like she must know what's happening. And it felt the same way here. But uh, I just bring that up to mention it. The people I really wanted to talk about with you before we move on to the next thing is Ron and Eric because they got one of my favorite edits in this episode, which is overconfident, obvious (laughs) downfall. And it was beautiful. Like they were early on like talking about how their plan was genius and how they were clever and crafty and ron had that amazing line about i'm the puppet master i'm trying to break them down it just was <laughs> like mm, just chef's kiss yeah i love when they say that it's usually someone will say i feel pretty good going into travel tonight and then they're gone but just calling yourself the puppet master is like a whole nether level because He's been working people over and, you know, playing Kumbaya Survivor, as Aubrey calls it. And finally, it, it just came back to bite him in the butt because people were like, wait, it's all a charade. I don't I don't really know what he's doing. He's actually going to pull in David and Devins. Oh, we're screwed. Let's get rid of him. And it was, like you said, it was fun and super awesome to watch the cocky, arrogant people get overthrown. Yeah, and uh, I guess Aurora. We didn't really talk about her, but the show never does anyway. Did did you make anything of Aurora? Uh, no, I mean, I thought it was very telling how she knew she was on the bottom in that immunity challenge, you know, and I, we're going to talk about oh, it God. obviously in a second. Yeah. But yeah, she, she didn't have a whole lot to say, except she did end up on the right side of the vote. So obviously she did have conversations and was drawn in where she needed to be. What did you think of the jury thing that's continuing on? We're just kind of watching these people who are sort of still in the game hang out on the jury. It's fine. I mean, it's not like, <laughs> like, what are they really learning? They don't know what's happening. They show up and it's like, oh, they want immunity. Okay. Cool. I don't know. I don't know what they're gleaning from the discussion that's happening a tribal council obviously war dog you know had a really strong tribal council where he said the right thing so i don't i don't know what they are we playing for a million dollars or just to get to the loved ones visit i don't know what they take away from that or if they go back to extinction and that's all they talk about for the next three days like it might as well be they have nothing else to do so i i don't know i mean having this many people on a jury is going to be interesting but like i said i still feel like it slants more towards whoever is coming back from extinction in the long run, which kind of worries me. I know I'm kind of all over the place as far as the order we're going in today, but I think that's just because my mind is currently broken. Um, The other thing I wanted to point out was they've apparently just abandoned the previously ons at this point, which is why I was (laughs) choking at the beginning of the episode, (laughs) like 30 minutes ago when I was like previously on the island. That's why I was saying that, because I was noticing that they're not doing it. So I guess we're going to have to do it now. And the funny thing to me was we talked a lot last week about Aurora being left out and turning and Wentworth, Wardog, and Lauren getting turned against Rick and David to vote for each other. And I was a little annoyed that we figured it out. They didn't really present it to us that way on the show last week. And then it was just assumed at the beginning of this episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I will say one of the fun things, uh, reading articles today, you know, I did some Hollywood Reporters, Maintaining Weekly, some just 
reading their tweets and all that stuff. Reading Entertainment Weekly was basically like listening to our podcast from last week because they made all the observations that like came true and it's like oh this is exactly what happened all right cool so pat ourselves on the back i think we did to be a week late (laughs) yeah the other thing before we talk about immunity is i've talked about this several times over the last few weeks how the reward challenge rewards have just seemed pitiful Mm. because it was like here's some coffee and pastries and (laughs) here's some pizza i don't even remember what the other one was but this week it was hey we got you chinese food (laughs) i was like what is the budget of this show i think we could afford to give guests to our podcast better food than this show is giving people (laughs) yeah i mean chinese takeout though that's like an american staple right now people love their takeout uber eats sure uber eats grubhub you know what the people love are you just throwing out free advertisements now? Uh, maybe, or I'm hoping one of them is like, oh, they know what we are? Let's sponsor them. And then I get free meal every time we record. <laughs> Look, all I know is I got to get to sleep on my Casper mattress so I can wake up, shave my face <laughs> with my Harry's razor, put on my Stitch Fix clothes, and go to work. Oh, you use Harry's? I use Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I listen to too many podcasts. Can you tell? Ty, let's talk about immunity. I think... It's the only other thing worth talking about, even though often we don't find ourselves talking much about challenges, but obviously this week provided one of the more fascinating moments that I can remember in a challenge as Lauren went down and Aurora continued to strategize. In the meantime, I thought it was just like frightening, frankly. I mean, as it goes on, I guess she was mic'd up better than people could hear her out there but as it was going she was like i'm very dizzy oh i'm i am really dizzy and then at one point she was like i can't see anything and and like she was saying everything so matter-of-factly that you could tell she was just not there and then (laughs) at some point she i think said i'm gonna pass out now i'm gonna black out and we saw her fall that thing must have been three feet off the ground. She fell all the way, just, and chaos kind of ensued. But uh, <laughs> what did you make of that moment? <laughs> I thought it was uh, it was good that she knew exactly what was happening to her. They kind of set this up well, too, with, like, for weeks, showing how little food she was eating. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, Jeff, in an uh, interview I read today, said, and that just shows how great of a competitor she is. She <laughs> knows she's going down, and she's still playing. Well, so, you know, props from him. The one thing worth adding from Jeff is that he said he didn't know Lauren was struggling, and that uh, whatever we heard on TV, he didn't really hear at the time. So it was, like, surprising to him. But there was something about that moment that you were about to mention before. That didn't... Oh, God. Okay, so I um, have been talking about how editing has been really good and really entertaining. I don't know what the crap they thought they were doing with that, like, <laughs> weird filter, shaky camera. Like, is that what she was seeing? And then what ca- us to see? Oh, I have God. no idea. Like, that was one of the things that I was like, survive. Yeah, so the camera, like, Come on. shakes as if you're getting really dizzy, and then it shows her fall. And it, like, blurs her a little bit. And... Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly with you. I thought that was childish and (laughs) immature and, like, 
just bafflingly stupid. Like, what are the, who do they think we are? <laughs> like, <laughs> are they trying to make it scarier? Are they trying to make it like goofy? What are they doing? Yeah, it, it was um, it was a very odd choice for them. But you know, other other than that, like I've already said, I think it's the best episode they've had so far this season. Well, but the other part of it is, like I mentioned, Aurora was going on, like. <laughs> Victoria, you gotta let me win because I'm on the bottom. And meanwhile, everything is immoral. Julie is sitting on the bench, like, <laughs> shut up, shut up, Aurora. D- can someone tell her? Can someone tell her? <laughs> and it was just, it was a beautiful mess, especially because Jeff too was like, I'm keep going. I guess uh, the medical <laughs> team has this, maybe. Just uh, let's see what happens. And it was like, when you think about the live aspect of that and what they had to do in the moment, it actually is pretty impressive that they pulled it off with everyone being okay and still also being able to complete the challenge. Yeah, especially with uh, Victoria and Aurora's focus, like not being lost. Um, I don't even know if Victoria could see it because she was like way down at the other end. I'm pretty sure Aurora was like right next to her, if not like, one station over so the fact that she kept her cool um was pretty awesome and yeah they didn't pause the challenge dr joe just came on and did some live checkup or whatever he was doing i don't know dr joe (laughs) i said dr jew dr joe doing (laughs) dr joe stuff always good always good shout out from dr joe (laughs) oh my gosh let's see if dr joe can make it into this week's power rankings tie (laughs) it's time for our week seven on the island power rankings we're gonna go three to one. Third place from each of us gets one point two gets two one gets three makes perfect sense perfect sense it does make my number four is going to be dr joe i think that he just had some good <laughs> camera time and he saved lives so dr joe getting my number four spot this week honorary top not three i don't uh, a top four ish even though that's not a thing but if we want to go to uh, who my top three really is, then I am going to say number three is Victoria because Victoria didn't want to make the move, but she jumped ship when she knew she had to. And sadly, she might be near the bottom of whatever that new alliance turns into, but she made an amazing call and I'm Putting your number three because of position, not necessarily because of strategy, because strategy, I thought she played a number one or number two spot game, but I think she's in the number three spot right now. I actually have her number two just to skip over for a second because I think what I was talking about before with the last shot wins kind of thing, it just feels like Julia and Gavin moved too soon. Ron is kind of weakened. And Victoria is still in a position where I think she can move all over the place within the comma group. And she voted with Lesu, so there's at least something for her to build off of. And we've already seen this season that she expertly took out Aubrey. So I'm very impressed by her. And like I said earlier, her ability to also just blend in and go with the vote when she knows what she needs to do to keep herself safe and keep her head down. So, um, out of that comma group, I'm most optimistic about her, and she's my number two. So, who is your number three? My number three is Aurora. And 
The reason is... Man, you just gave her that because she won immunity. <laughs> That's true, Carl. <laughs> I, I do like immunity. I, it it, it kind of helps give me a signpost. But the, I'm going to give her number three because of that and because I think that uh, she took what was a bad position and found herself in the winning like majority by the end of the episode. And I thought it was an impressive series of moves just to get herself on screen for once and keep her game going. I don't know how sustainable it is necessarily, but I feel okay about her and uh, thought she had a good episode. Yeah, she did play well, I guess, from being on the bottom, but uh, she is not in my top three. I think number two, and this is for his performance purely Jeff. in tribal council jeff's performance and immunity how did Jeff's we skip over job. by the way when he went over to lauren and she was like i'm embarrassed because she's a college athlete and she just can't handle losing and he was like no i'd say what you just did that's a sign of a warrior why is he batman <laughs> not jeff <laughs> um, where's rv <laughs> Where are the drugs going? Okay. I'm not the one wearing <laughs> hockey pants. <laughs> um, number two is the war dog because the way that he kind of flipped the script in flipped the script in tribal um, was brilliant. And just the way he kind of planted a seed in Julia and Gavin's mind, I thought he actually knew exactly what was happening and again navigated from a place from behind and did really well this episode so war dog number two yeah war dog is my number one for this week i mean wow i felt like he made this happen he got the comma people to turn in on themselves and make a move too early and we've seen a lot of war dog thinking so far and not a lot of war dog acting Mm-hmm. And this was the first time where I felt like his read on everything that was going on was dead on and he conveyed it in a way that just made everything go right for him. And and I saw someone reference this on Twitter today. Like, I don't even think he could have thought it would go that well. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know how good he was. Like, I think he probably thought he was laying some seeds to like help save himself a little bit down the road. I don't know if he would have expected it to just like implode like that mm-hmm. yeah he did i mean he was definitely on point but i think that maybe his puppet i guess sticking with the theme of puppets was number one weirdly i think julia the way she went and tested eric and the way she kept her cool and she was in the conversation with war dog and she was in the conversation with gavin to kind of orchestrate this whole thing coming around, and she did a lot of the legwork. I thought she did really well, and we're kind of seeing the last few weeks, we've been getting hints that people are actually worried about her, even though we didn't get to know who she was for like a month. Yeah. Everyone out there knows who she is, and she's positioning herself really well. And we got to see her make a move, but not in a way that really put her in any danger. So I think that she is playing well. We just don't get to see enough of her to know how well she's playing. So Julia is your number one? Julia, number one. 
So there you have it. Ties one, two, three, Julia, War Dog, Victoria, Mayan, War Dog, Victoria, Aurora. I loved War Dog's tweet, by the way. His Twitter is fascinating. It really, I feel like I need to be a psychologist to figure out what's happening on his Twitter. <laughs> but he tweeted last night, for y'all Survivor fans keeping score at home, that seven tribals attended, zero votes against for the War Dog. Also, Kelly, Lauren, and the aforementioned War Dog have voted together all seven times. Do you feel like that three is going to, like, one of them is going to, maybe two of them are going to get to the finals? That was um, a really interesting thing. I saw a secret scene, and I can't remember who tweeted it out. It it might have been CBS, actually, of War Dog and Kelly kind of throwing a little shade toward Lauren. Like, uh, you know, maybe she can't stick with us. Maybe she's got to go. And then, like, Lauren awkwardly walking up and noticing what they were talking about and being like, oh, you guys are talking? Okay, I guess I can leave. So who knows? And then the war dog was like, we need a code word. How about mustard? <laughs> how about mustard? Yeah, so I'm <laughs> I'm a little curious as to how that three is going to go now. I, I'm really, I want to see what's yeah. happening because I always thought war dog was on the outs. I don't know. I guess they could turn on each other. But like I said earlier, I feel like they're so battle tested and tribal that like those three are going to stick together longer than anyone else if possible. And... I don't know. It's it's interesting just looking at what is sticking in my memory currently in this show, and it's mostly those three people and the returners, mm-hmm. and uh, Ke- Kelly obviously being a returner too. But like this comma group just feels pretty amorphous outside of maybe Julia at this point and Ron obviously, but Ron mm-hmm. feels like he's in a dangerous spot. So I don't know. I, I'm I think this episode actually did a lot to open up this season and make it feel like there are a lot of exciting things that can happen. And I'm much more optimistic now than I was 24 hours ago. Yeah. We've, like I said, at the top of the show, we're finally getting to know who these comma people are outside of just the returners. We got to hear some from Gavin. We got to hear some from Aurora. We've gotten little tidbits of Victoria lately. Julie has been playing well. Julie, this justice warrior who can also throw shade at people. I don't know. I I feel like we're in a good spot going forward because we know everybody wants to play and it's not 100% about the returners. It's kind of 50% returners, 50% these new people. And I'm excited to see what happens in the home stretch. Yeah, and the unanswered question is just how will Edge of Extinction affect it? Like, is it going to screw up everyone's strategy based off how the jury ends up voting? We'll have to see what happens, but definitely a good week. I think, as Reem said, I am ready to take a nap, so we're going to end it there. But, uh, Ty, I think that's about it. This is where we were meant to be. I was looking forward to you asking me any last thoughts. (laughs) Any last thoughts? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, it's just so funny. Oh, is that it? You're done? Yep. I'm saying yes this it. time I and love not, it. not sharing them instead of saying no it. and sharing a lot. <laughs> For more of Ty saying no and sharing a lot, go listen to our other podcast, Natural Selection, where we are determining the greatest Pixar movie of all time. And this week we covered a little known film called The Good Dinosaur. Good Dinosaur. 10 out of 10. Would recommend in one category but find Uh, out (laughs) god almighty i don't have time to get angry at you right now that's it 
for Survivor Week number seven. We are past the halfway point of the season, and things are heating up. So come back next week to hear our breakdown of the latest and greatest in Fiji action. For Tyler B., I'm Taylor P. Goodbye. Bye. Testing, testing, test, testing, 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 testing. When your kids leave the house, that's when you're empty nesting, nesting, testing, testing. When you throw a birthday party, that means that you are festing. Festing, maybe? I don't know. Straight off of improv practice, Taylor Taylor P. Gaines. <laughs> <laughs>